I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. And thank you listeners from across South Dakota and the upper Midwest for tuning in once more. We are in week four of our legislative session here in South Dakota. Your Catholic Conference Director, I assure you, is remaining hard at work as are uh, those Catholic Conference Directors, North Dakota, Minnesota, my colleagues in, in many states within the, the listening areas. If, if you're not, if you're not uh, in the loop right now, I encourage you to, to go out there and jump on any one of our websites, whether it's uh, sdcatholicconference.org's for the South Dakota Catholic Conference. But if you are living in our listening area on Real Presence Radio in another state, Minnesota, North Dakota, or, or one of our neighboring states, you know, stay in touch with your Catholic Conference. Uh, know what they're up to. A lot of great bills going through each of our legislatures. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk about some education stuff today. But before we get into education and I introduce our guest, I want to give you just a quick recap of kind of where we're at with a couple of our bills. And again, go to sdcatholicconference.org. You can look under the uh, 2021 legislative session to find all of our position statements on various bills. Or uh, on our homepage there, you could click um, sign up, get on our, our email newsletter, and you're going to get those updates on a variety of bills uh, coming straight to your email inbox. Of course, Facebook is a great way to stay in touch, right? And uh, new this year, we've been pretty active on Instagram. Uh, so if that's your thing, check us out on the gram or, or tell those young people, you know, you can, they can find us there. We, we try and keep really timely updates too on, on Instagram. So uh, from the top, uh, Senate Bill 83 is a bill to ensure good information is out there on perinatal hospice for pregnant mothers that might be confronted with kind of a scary situation of a diagnosis of a, of a terrible illness for um, a child in utero. Great bill that gets, gets women good information. Senate Bill 83 just came flying off of the Senate, uh, Senate floor yesterday. Um, with, a, I think, a unanimous vote, and now going over to the House. Senate Bill 98 is a bill that eliminates most capital punishment in the city of South Dakota. Senate Bill 98 uh, was heard in its first committee this morning, uh, Senate Judiciary. They didn't yet vote. They're going to vote on Thursday. So Senate Bill 98, that's one to track and support. And then um, House Bill 1051 is a bill that um, that strengthens protections for for what they call uh, abortion survivors. So, so any child that might survive the horror of an attempted abortion is making abundantly clear our law values that child. That bill, um, that bill is going, is done, done on the House side, did well, and is, is assigned to Senate Health and Human Services. Watch for that bill over there. And then uh, House Bill 1076 is a bill to ensure accuracy in our state's vital records. So birth certificates, that little line where it says sex, um, it's just male or female, it's pretty simple. Um, we don't need to scratch our heads too long over that one. Um, that, that, that bill succeeded, did well over on the House side and is now going to Senate Health and Human Services. And I, just a, a quick little note on that one is there's a lot of, um, this bill can, 1076 can kind of provoke a lot of emotion. So. Don't, don't hesitate to just give your encouragement to your senators on House Bill 1076. They could really benefit from hearing you. Um, those are all the ones up on our website right now. We've got uh, the green light. We're kind of proceeding on a, a number of other ones. They're going to be posted soon. 
um, in the field of pro-life, religious freedom. Um, I'm really, really excited about. So check them out on the website and, uh, and we will keep you, keep you posted as all of those bills and many more progress through this 2020, uh, 2021 legislative session here in South Dakota. Okay, um, so turning now, you, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about education today. Um, and it's, some people may know it's Catholic Schools Week. We're not gonna talk exactly about Catholic schools. If you're interested in, in really Catholic schools, go back in the archives. Got a great conversation with Matt Altoff in the archives. He's the director for Catholic schools for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. But one of the things that has really been first and foremost in a lot of parents' minds during this COVID time as we're thinking about education is, is, oh my goodness, we're just thinking about education in new ways. And one of the, the principles that the church gives us is this principle that parents are the primary educators of their children. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the South Dakota statutes um, in what they call alternative instruction, more commonly known as, as homeschooling. Uh, joining me today to talk about this very, very important topic is uh, Julie Christian, um, a homeschooling parent and somebody who's been really engaged on homeschooling policy. So, uh, Julie, we've got you on the line. Welcome to Faith and Politics. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, I'm delighted that I'm delighted that you're you're here with us, and I I'm hoping we can kind of run through a variety of different things. I, I want to talk um, kind of just about your own experience. I'm hoping we can dive into some of the church teaching, some of the principles that, that informs us as Catholics. And then I, I want to kind of talk some nuts and bolts stuff too of, of a policy in South Dakota, but maybe just like starting right from the top, do you want to share a little bit about yourself with listeners, who you are and where you live and, and what it is you do? And then maybe just share a little bit too about your, your homeschooling experience. What, what drew you to homeschooling and how has it gone for you? Sure. Well, we're from Sioux Falls. Um, my husband and I actually are certified teachers for the state of South Dakota. And my husband teaches uh, in the public schools in Sioux Falls. And I've taught there as well. Um, so we, when we got married, we knew some families through our parish that were homeschooling. And we were very attracted to, to their families, just how they related to one, and to one another. And at that time, this was like 25 years ago. So homeschooling was still considered fairly rare. Um, but we, we just really got to know them and really were, were impacted by what we saw happening in that lifestyle. And so, you know, we were very well familiar with public education. And I, had a, I grew up um, in the private schools. So we kind of knew and had a view of all the options out there and really decided that we wanted to give it a go. We wanted to try it. And we've always said we just take it year by year. But we have five kids. And our oldest is 23. Our youngest is 11. And we've graduated three of them from our homeschool. And two of them are, have gone on to college. One's graduated and is now a practicing nurse in Sioux Falls. And we have one more that's graduating this year. We also have an eighth grader and a sixth grader. So we love, we have really seen the fruit in our own family of this, uh, where we believe God has led us with our family to homeschool. And, you know, we have um, been very blessed to see how that has now with our older kids, how that has played out in a lot of 
very life-giving ways. Now it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I got to ask too, just because um, as you know, Julie, my, my wife and I have, have some experience with this too. Is it, you know, having done this for so many years now, has it been an easy thing to do? Oh, well, there have been days that uh, I've had this public school on speed dial. I'm not going <laughs> to, there are challenging times, but I think that, you know, the, the grass is never always greener. And so every choice that you make, and, and as, as I said, my husband is a public school teacher. I also still have connections within the public school system um, and, and do some work in there. So, you know, there are challenges in any choice that's out there. And, and we don't believe that homeschooling is necessarily where God is leading every family. But we, when we think that we need to have strong public schools in our in our society, we need to have good Catholic schools in our society, but some of us are called to homeschooling. And so you get through those challenging days and where I'm at, you know, 20 some years later, um, it's, it's very fulfilling and very, mm. we're very blessed. Well, and I would add too that there are some places, you know, of course we've got public schools throughout our state, although in some places kids are, are riding a long time on a bus, maybe to get to high school. But in, in many places, too, for us Catholics, there might not necessarily be a Catholic school. So if that's maybe an important part that a parent wants to, to really ensure is central, I was speaking with one of our good priests up in the kind of north central region um, who just shared that, you know, their, their parish school shut down a number of years ago. And so that this is, it, it's just more, more in people's minds, I guess, these days. Um, even though, it, as you point out, it's not necessarily easy. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, it's... You know, that's good for you, but that is not for me. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, that, that's true. Everybody's got to discern their own path. Uh, yet at the same time, I don't know if it's necessarily like a walk in the park for anybody. You know, there's, right. there, there, there are difficulties in this. And, um, you know, and I think- I would also say, Chris, sorry, but I would also say that people, a lot of times will look at my husband and I say, well, you're teachers, you know how to do this. Mm. And I would say that was probably one of, us, or one of my biggest impediments at being a good homeschool mom. Mm. Um, there is, there, it's a lifestyle that you choose and it's not, being a, an, an educator professionally did not, did not necessarily make me a, a competent or better homeschool mom at all. Mm. Well, I am, uh, you know, I'm grateful for you sharing that. Let's, let's turn now, Julie, to just a little bit of church teaching. And I want to read a quotation and it, Forgive me, bear with me here. It's a little bit of a longer quotation, but I think it's just so beautiful. It's from uh, St. Pope John Paul II's Apostolic Exhortation, Familiaris Consortio. And so this is, this is uh, an exhortation or a letter from John Paul, and it's really for families. And for any of you who are, are parents out there or maybe pastors who are you know, shepherding families, this document has just got it. This is like a top shelf, must read kind of, kind of uh, document. I encourage everybody to dive in for themselves, but here's what I'm gonna read. Quote, the right and duty of parents to give education is essential since it is connected with the transmission of human life. It is original and primary with regard to the educational role of others on account of the uniqueness of the, of the loving relationship between parents and children. It is irreplaceable and inalienable, meaning it can't be taken away. And therefore, it's incapable of being entirely delegated 
to others or usurped by others. I'm going to just pause right there. I want to go on. There's so much more I could read. Um, anything that just that jumps out at you in that quotation, Julie? Well, I love that document. It's very accessible for anyone to read. And you can, you can pull it up on the internet and read it. Um, but I, if you ever need a little pick-me-up for, oh, my goodness, God gave me this children, and what do, I, do I have what I need? You just dive right in because that's really going to be your, your rally cry right there. Yeah. And so I love, um, you know, I love, I, I, I wanted to mention earlier that if God calls you to this, to homeschool, if he calls your children to be in private school, if he calls your children to be in public school, God gives you the grace to meet the needs of those children. And so when, you know, like I can certainly say, yes, there were those days that I thought, oh my goodness, but we have the grace. He provides all the grace. And, mm. and we, you know, we had those days where we just leaned hard into that grace. And so I love this quote. And he, you know, this is repeated in many documents across church teaching. And it's this idea that parents are the primary educators. And mm. we need to take that very seriously. And I think that we need to take that very seriously especially in the culture that we live in today, because there are so many ways that um, your parental uh, authority, your parental influence with your children can be usurped. And so we, as homeschoolers, I think I take, as a homeschool mom, I take that very seriously um, and, and feel that God has led us into, okay, you're going to be the primary educator across the board here. But I also find a lot of support and help and various things that provide, um, provide me with the tools I need along the way. Yeah, and that support and help too. I want to I read just a little more from Familiaris Consortio. Um, just John Paul speaks a little bit about the relationship between the church and the state in sort of um, aiding and helping parents in their mission as primary educators. He's, he writes, the mission of education must always be carried out in accordance with the proper application of the principle of, of subsidiarity. Very important church principle. This implies the legitimacy and indeed the need of giving assistance to the parents, but finds its intrinsic and absolute limit in their prevailing right as, as primary educators and their actual capabilities. So the principle of subsidiarity, he goes on, is thus at the service of parental love meeting the good of the family unit. Um, so for parents that by themselves are not capable of satisfying every requirement of the whole process of raising children, you know, any one of us knows this. Um, of course, <laughs> we need help in so many different ways. But, but John Paul concludes, this is especially true in matters concerning their schooling in the entire gamut of socialization. Um, you know, in this principle too, we could go on and on. There's a, there's a big document of the Second Vatican Council uh, gravissimum educationis, kind of this declaration on, on education that, that likewise kind of spells out some of these, these duties of, of the state vis-a-vis um, -vis parents and the church insofar as we're, you know, cooperating for the education of children. And I wanted to use this principle, Julie, this principle of subsidiarity, maybe as a pivot uh, on which we could turn to like more concrete application and what that might look like. For, for any listeners just tuning on, you're joining Faith and Politics. I'm your host, Chris Motes, joined by Julie Christian. We're talking about 
educa- some education policy, some of the church teaching that applies to education, parents as primary educators and the duty, uh, the principle of subsidiarity, the duty of, 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 of really the state to affirm and support parents insofar as they're making educational choices for their children. Julie, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're up to. You've got deep expertise in chapter 13-27, which is the alternative instruction statute in South Dakota. Maybe tell us a little bit about that statute and um, some, of the, some of the work you, you've been up to lately. Sure. So I love that our South Dakota state constitution actually really um, plays well with that, uh, with that idea of subsidiarity. And if you let me read it, it says, the stability of a Republican form of government, depending on the morality and the intelligence of the people, it shall be the duty of the legislature to establish and maintain a general and uniform system of public schools where intuition shall be without charge and equally open to all and to adopt all suitable means to secure to the people the advantages and opportunities of education. Mm. So the reason that I love that our constitution is of two things. One, we have a very unique constitution, our article uh, from most other states in that it says that it's depending on the morality and the intelligence of the people. Our our Republican form of government. So the type of government that we have needs people that are both good and and have like a basic intellectual capacity. They can read and write and. Right. So and on they're so thinking. And they're thinking, thinking about yes. this. And so I, I also love that it says all suitable means to secure to the people the advantages and opportunities. Mm. And that's key. And that's really key about what we're going to talk about. Um, so the history, and, and we also, I want to throw this, and we have also. Um, I think are blessed in this time period to have a governor who also supports parental choice. Um, so parents and, and trusting parents to make the best decisions and the best choices for their kids. Um, in one of these three legal paths that we have in South Dakota to educate your children in public school, private school, or homeschool. And she even indicated this in her state of the state address. And she said, Um, Today, more than ever, it's important we work to strengthen families. I am committed to being a family first governor, fighting to strengthen the family unit and preserve the values that South South Dakotans have long embraced. And then she goes on to talk about that good education starts in the home. Mm. And and she's mentioned this a number of times, and and she actually even fulfilled that last week with School Choice Week. and issued a proclamation in which she acknowledged each of the, those three legal pathways for parents to choose to, to educate their children. Mm. And so um, what has happened in the course of, of the development of education in, in our state is that early on after statehood, we, there was enacted compulsory education in South Dakota, a, a statute And that's where we're referring to that statute 1327, that chapter 13. And what that said is that every person who's responsible for a child needs to see to it that their child is being educated. And that's key. And I think that's important. And I think it's really important for for our society at, at large. However, what it doesn't say 
is that every child is required to go to the public school. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that in any of our laws. So private school has come along and we have beautiful, beautiful examples throughout our, our state history of, of the Catholic um, missionaries coming and setting up wonderful Catholic schools all throughout our state, yes. um, ministering to the needs of the people in, in their towns and, and just wonderful things happened there. Homeschooling kind of came into the picture in the 80s. Um, it kind of came up to be a thing, not very common, but something that parents were considering for a lot of different various reasons. And so what happened is there, there was created at that time kind of a loophole. So in what we call in the truancy laws to make it okay for kids to be excused from public school to be homeschooled. And it was pretty restrictive at that time. And along the decades, um, people have been chipping away at that law and trying to broaden that out and give parents more, more control over that choice that they, when they make to, to uh, educate their children. And so, um, that's kind of where we're at. We're taking a strong, hard look at those things and actually taking some big action this legislative session. Well, and I want, insofar as you're able, can you just share with us a little bit about, you know, in the concrete, like what are the nuts and bolts of, of what some action might be that just puts a little more um, opportunity in front of parents as they're directing the education of their children? Right. So, so one of the things that came up is, you know, a lot of people have been looking at home education since COVID, as yeah. you mentioned. I want to just mention that we have at this time 6,700 children in the state of South Dakota who are being, um, who, who fall under what we call alternative instruction, which is yeah. that legal term in South Dakota for homeschooling. That number has increased by 27% this year. Uh, this time last year, there was only 5,100. 5,100 kids. So we had an increase of 1,500 children. And I do think that number has actually even gone up just a tad since they did their enrollment numbers. Hmm. Um, So that's a, that's a sizable number. If you put us all geographically in the same area, we would be the third largest school district Mm -hmm. in the state of South Dakota. Wow. So behind Sioux Falls and Rapid City, you'd be number three. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Um, coming in fourth would be Harrisburg's uh, school district. So that's a that's a lot of families. That's a lot of kids. And we just really subscribe to the principle that first we do what's best for every child. You yeah. know, every we and we make the ch- we make decisions around what's best for the child. And so um, with a lot of people looking at you know at and and then with COVID we had a lot of people moving to South Dakota. Yeah. That said, wow, I'm really interested in your state because you have these less restrictions going on than in other areas of the country. Sure. And you seem very free there, but we're reading your homeschool laws and they're, they're kind of um, concerning to us. Hmm. So, we, so we started taking a look at that and language that we knew was there. Um, and so we're just kind of doing an update to bring some antiquated language uh, up to date with where homeschooling is at in our society and kind of taking us out of that idea of being excused from, from participating in compulsory education, from being obligated to participating in public education and just creating really our own pathway 
as one of those options for parents to choose. Well, and I appreciate what you said a minute ago too, just about like really keeping the child at the center of the conversation. You know, my own experience kind of just being an observer or listening to some, some education policy discussions, it, they can devolve almost into like, um, it's almost like a sectarian scrapping for pieces of the pie or it's, it's an us versus them kind of thing. But the church's vision of education is really a magnanimous one that, that, that puts the right of a child to receive an education at, at the kind of holds that up as the primary thing. And, and then immediately following that, the duty of the parent to direct that education and list, and list others in support of that, you know, whether it's uh, public school, Catholic school, whatever it may be. And for others interested, I, I know a number of just great, great Catholic families in each one of these sort of categories, we might say, and I, I hope to have um, some of these families on, on the program at some point in time, just share about their experience, you know, raising solid Catholic kids um, wherever they may be. So I do appreciate it. That's a, that's a great point. You know, Julie, we've got, um, time flies. We've got a couple of minutes left. What, if, if people wanted to like learn a little more, stay in the loop, is there a place that they could, you know, just learn a little more about like, about what you're up to or potential proposals to, sh- to shift or amend uh, South Dakota's chapter 13-27? Absolutely. So we're looking at three main areas that we're looking to, to address primarily. Um, the bill will be coming here soon, actually tomorrow. It will be made public. And we are, um, you can contact us with any questions at the email action, A-C-T-I-O-N, at FAIRSD, F-A-I-R-S-D, dot org. FAIRSD stands for Families for Alternative Instruction Rights in South Dakota. And uh, we are, I'm happy to answer your questions. We have a public Facebook page that you can find us, FAIRSD, again, and on Facebook. And there, at the top, our, at our, on the top of our page is a sign-up so that you can get, click that link and get action alerts and updates to what's going on with the bill and and where we need our grassroots to be involved. And of course, you can check uh, the Catholic um, Conference website as well, I think, for updates on on where we're at with that. And and, uh, Chris can lead lead you to contact me as well. But uh, we also are encouraging a lot of homeschoolers to come to peer, come and hear the bill and talk to your legislators and Make sure that they hear your stories. Lots of us have really great and interesting stories about how this path has been the best for our children. And, and of course, it's one that as Catholics, you know, in my family, um, it, we take it seriously. We want our kids to be in heaven with us. Mm. And we want this formation for them um, in our home. And, and so um, come and let your legislators know your stories. So that email one more time is action at fairsd.org or action at fairsd.org. Thank you very much, Chris. And there's so much to say about homeschooling. And we could do several episodes. Another time. So, yes, thank you. And thank you for your work and care. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, dear listeners, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Don't hesitate to show this, uh, share this show with others. Uh, And as always, we love listener feedback. SDCatholicConference.org. Click Contact Us. Until next time, live well.